Welcome to the Holistic Icon Podcast, hosted by Dr. Nisha Chellam, a board-certified internist and holistic medicine specialist who understands the science of disease and the art of healing. Every week, Dr. Nisha gives you tips on how to take control of your health, because you are your best doctor. Here's your host and author of Transform Your Thyroid, Dr. Nisha Chellam. Hi there, this is Dr. Chalam from Holistic Icon or Holistic and Integrative Center of Nova, your best functional medical practice here in Michigan. In this podcast, I've done for the very first time show notes, which means it helps you understand what's going on as we discuss the topic. So in this podcast, I'm talking to Dr. Joel Khan, who is very well known in Michigan. He's a plant-based cardiologist. We were really honored to have Dr. Khan as he's one of my mentors. And I wanted to make this podcast to really emphasize the current state of heart disease and how food continues to be a big part of the healing process. With so much of confusion in cyberspace, it is important to bring to light the facts rather than the fiction of various diets. As a society, we are always and will continue to focus on the external appearances. We focus so much on the weight we carry that we rarely think about the weight carried by our hearts. In this podcast, we review the current leading cause of death in this country, which has always been cardiac, though it's closely competing with cancer. Cardiovascular disease has unfortunately strongly held this position for the last 100 years, from 2000, I'm sorry, from 1918 to 2018. One in every 40 seconds, there's a cardiovascular event. And that's quite alarming for a disease that has been shown to be really preventable. I've tried to link certain articles that Dr. Khan had mentioned. We talk about Jim Fix, um, the runner, and his uh, sudden death in his early 50s from severe atherosclerosis. We also um, talk about Bob Harper, uh, the lipoprotein panel, coronary calcium score and its significance and why you should get it done. We talk about the various studies done by Dr. Dean Ornish, Dr. Esselstyn, all of which has shown that diet and our the world around us, the camaraderie, the collegiality really impacts our cardiovascular disease. And of course, we uh, talk uh, briefly about Green Space Cafe, which is uh, probably one of the high-end plant-based restaurants that um, is uh, in Michigan. It's located at at Ferndale. So without further delay, I would like you to uh, set up some time to listen to this podcast, which is around, I think, 56 minutes long. And look at the show notes. If you would, please go to Apple iTunes, click on the um, button to review the podcast. If you really love it, please let us know what you loved about this podcast. If you did not like something, please do give us constructive criticism. Your opinion really matters. A lot of what we do is really to educate the public that there's a different approach and a different way to take care of their health besides just medication for a condition. So without further delay, I present you Dr. Khan, who will walk us through the facts and fiction 
of today's cardiovascular disease. Just one little point I do want to make. We had a lot of difficulty listening to Dr. Khan, so you will find that I'm uh, speaking over him um, at times, but uh, that was because I was unable to hear that he was speaking. So I do apologize for the audiovisual problems that you might note in this podcast. And the next time we will make sure to check our mics and the visual uh, media before we get them recorded. Thank you once again for listening to it. And as always, please do leave us some, leave us your review. Thank you. Hey, Dr. Khan. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. Can you hear us? Perfectly. Can you hear me? Yes. Probably just a little faint, but you got. Okay, I got a headphone in, so I don't know what else to do, but thank you. Thank you, thank you. Well, thank you so much. Um, um, Once again, just for the people who are live on Facebook, we're here this afternoon with Dr. Joel Kahn. I don't think he needs any introduction in Michigan. He's probably our first luminary uh, on our podcast, and thank you so much for doing this. We're really humbled. Appreciate it. A luminary. I don't know that I've ever been called a luminary, so thank you. Yes, you are in our eyes. You're probably one of the greatest mentors I follow. So I'm really very, you um, you know, it's really very uh, happy to actually have this conversation with you. But, you know, everybody actually knows that you are um, probably the biggest fan and you do trust and believe plant-based diet is uh, probably, it's really healing. So we're not going to get into that in the beginning, but I want to ask you a couple of quick questions because there's a lot of controversy when it comes to cardiovascular disease. And I think... It's probably the most studied if you really look in medicine. So as of today, does cardiovascular disease remain one of the leading cause of uh, death in the world and in the country? Yeah, there's a uh, very bad competition going on, cancer and heart disease, and they're struggling. So as of right now today, cardiovascular disease, it's heart attack, stroke, congestive heart failure, high blood pressure-related deaths which can affect kidney function, but kidney function is kind of separated out, still remains number one. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's grandma 98 years old, but sometimes it's 41-year-old men and women that drop dead and never see another day. It's still number one. That's actually been 100 years. 1918 was the first year that cardiovascular disease was the number one cause of death in the United States. Prior to that, it was infectious disease and other factors, trauma. But for 100 years in a row, and just recently, heart disease is still a huge, phenomenally burdensome problem. It's dropping a little faster than cancer deaths are dropping. So cancer in some states right now, in some countries like Canada, has kind of passed and has taken the title. It's not a good title, but in some places, number one. But uh, yeah, you don't exactly want to be, you know, Miss Cancer America or Mr. Heart Disease America awardee, but these are huge. You know, it's estimated uh, about 2,000 people a day die in the United States of cardiovascular disease, uh, one every 40 seconds. So while we're talking today, that's, you know, 100 plus people, maybe a couple hundred. Um, But that half of them are even under the most conservative uh, approaches, not integrative approaches like you do and I do. 
But that half of those 2,000 a day, according to the CDC, Center for Disease Control, could be prevented. I mean, 1,000 deaths a day in the United States. I mean, just, that's three jumbo jets. I mean, it's a huge number of people not smoking, walking, eating fruits and vegetables, getting sleep, uh, knowing your numbers, blood pressure, cholesterol, blood sugar, and working on them. So simple lifestyle measures. That was uh, about two months ago the CDC published those numbers. You know, just they keep beating us over the head. This is a largely preventable disease, yet it's killing wonderful people that have husbands and wives and children and parents and jobs and all the rest. Fitness experts. Say again? I said the fitness experts do. People yeah, in the fitness Are we crossing paths? Yeah. yeah. The famous one in the 70s, which some people remember. Yeah, XX had a book called The Book of Running. And it started the whole marathon running craze. But um, he died at age 53 of a massive heart attack. And an autopsy he had horrible coronary arteries. But just in the last two months, in September, maybe September 25th, I think, Charles Harlequin died. Anybody can look him up. He had so yep. many fitness YouTubes and such. I think he was also in his uh, mid-50s, and he yes. dropped dead of a heart attack and was a big big proponent, proponent of a low-carb lifestyle and gym life. And, and man, these people, uh, they should be around providing advice for another, you know, two, three, four decades and uh, 50 years old, pretty young. I know you're, uh, you'll are you be 50 in about 25 years, Dr. Cello. But some of us that are yeah. already passed by 50 would say, that's very young. And uh, we got to do something to stop this terrible, you know, even if heart disease drops to number two, we uh, still uh, want to drop it down to number 10, number 15 and beyond. So how much of money is being uh, put into the research for cardiovascular disease as of today? Well, if you talk cardiovascular prevention, it's, mm -hmm. I don't know the exact number, but it's shockingly low. I mean, I mean, I know if you look at like research on cardiac aging, the amount that the National Institutes of Health and National Institutes of Aging, it's very, very small. And um, yeah, there's trials of new drugs, there's trials of new surgeries that will be funded. Uh, trials on prevention and uh, you know age management are very far and few between, and they're very expensive. So basically, it's the leading cause of disease for a hundred years. We're funding a lot on the for the treatment of cardiovascular disease, and yet it stays in the lead. What are we missing? Well, we've got such a challenging system of and layer and layer. I mean, what have we done well? We legislated that you can't smoke at work, in schools, in hospitals. We've laid taxes on cigarettes so that they're very expensive. And we've seen, I think they announced in the last month or so, the lowest average smoking rate in the United States ever recorded, around 15% of the population. It used to be 40 to 50%. I mean, that's a major victory. It shouldn't be 15%. I'd be happy thrown to under 10%. And what's most amazing is it's the millennials, these enlightened, you know, um, change the world 
people that I admire, and some of them are my children too, but the millennials have the highest rate of smoking. Not not my children, but I, uh, as you know, or may mention, smoking. Smoking. I own... I own three restaurants, which takes me outside of the medical world and into, you know, wonderful young people that are wait staff and kitchen staff and such. It's unbelievable. Way more than 50% are outback smoking cigarettes, expensive cigarettes, obviously dangerous cigarettes. So we've done well legislating it, but I'm still very concerned that uh, it could rebound. It could go back up. The only thing probably preventing it from going back up is the cost. And there are alternatives because, as you say, many of them are vaping these flavored vapes. You know, what What do we need to do beyond that? I mean, it's like the way people eat. Well, there is some discussion about a tax on red meat, and you can already tell the world has erupted into... Uh, violent disagreement. Can you legislate and enforce fitness and exercise? Probably can't, but can you build walking paths and standing desks and such? Um, Can you legislate getting your blood pressure, your blood sugar checked? No. What we could do, but won't happen, is we could take subsidies away from dairy, meat, and egg that certainly favor uh, an abundance of those foods at a very low cost of fast food restaurants. Let's make a Big Mac $12 like it should be. Uh, and you'll see a sudden change to beans and rice and greens. So uh, the chance of that happening, even with as colorful a president as we have who likes to disrupt, the chance that he's going to disrupt uh, all those senators and congressmen from states that grow uh, you know, animals for food is so uh, exceedingly small. I don't, I don't see a way out there where we're going to make a huge and meaningful difference um, real quick. So between a subsidy for red meat versus processed foods, if there were legislation, which one would you go for? Yeah, you would think it'd be a good idea to tax processed red meat right away. Um, you know, you've got the World Health Organization three years and two months ago analyzing over 800 studies and declaring processed red meats, bacon, salami, pepperoni, bologna, not only known to be associated with heart disease, type 2 diabetes, obesity, but regulated or put in a class as a cause of colorectal cancer. You know, they should be taxed to support other people who are getting chemotherapy and the rest. And they should be banned from schools, and that's just starting to happen. A hot dog on a child's tray is about as inconsistent with health and utilizing medical science as there is, and it should be in hospitals too. I mean, uh, we can walk into a university hospital called Harper University Hospital in yeah. order for either Chick-fil-A or Burger King, well, not Burger King, it's uh, Wendy's in the lobby is, I mean, nobody can be rational and sane and say, that's okay. That's, you know, the biggest lost opportunity to impact people that your food choices are medicine choices. So, yeah, it's a very, very sordid and money-driven, inconsistent system that is geared to do more harm than good. It's terrible. See, the problem is when your processed food is cheaper than healthy food, people are going to go yeah. for it. I mean, it's a question of, you know, what they can afford. 
And then you subsidize medicines. You go to Meyer, you can get a lot of your blood pressure medicines free. What, what is the motivation for people to quit taking or find a way to stop taking these medicines? But then the, this, right. the yeah. other part of it, I mean, we're talking about people's responsibility, the education. What about the other part where when they go to a physician's office and then you do a what is called a basic cholesterol panel, and you tell the patient, you know, everything looks good. And we've heard more than one story of a patient coming after his annual physical and within a week dropping dead. And I've heard you say, you know, when a heart attack after the age of 82 is an act of God and anything before age 82 is medical failure. How do we educate um, I guess, internists, family practitioners, and even cardiologists, that probably this testing can really, um, you know, when you're talking about true preventive and personalized medicine, what are your thoughts about how do we get this testing as, um, you know, mainstream medicine that should be the way you assess a person's risk? And, you know, you're absolutely right. And as you know, there's a very odd and very um, dangerous paradigm. You know, you're 45 years old, you go to see your doctor, and there's not even a discussion about your risk for heart attack and stroke, let alone any kind of plan equivalent to a mammogram or colonoscopy. And in reality, we're starting to see people wake up, but it's it's already an old movement. In 2005, a cardiology society was formed to say, this doesn't make sense. And we have technology right now, and this is 13, 14 years ago, by doing a CAT scan of the heart for $100 at your local hospital, by doing an ultrasound of the carotid. You can detect heart disease years, if not decades, before dropping dead, having a bypass, having a stent. And if you're motivated, you can figure out in detail why you have early atherosclerosis, and it's going to be diet, smoking, lifestyle. But it might be advanced blood work like you do and I do that is generally covered by insurance. Just a few things. Know your lipoprotein little a, know your advanced lipid profile, know some of your inflammatory markers. And you can get busy. I mean, if I, I would love to know the answer. If you took people having bypass surgery at a hospital right now and said, if you had been told 10 years ago you were going to have bypass surgery today and you had the opportunity to change your diet, your fitness, take some extra prescription or supplemental agents that would have delayed or avoided this. Would you have done all that? I mean, I can't believe that 95% facing a, uh, a saw to just to open their chest wouldn't say yes, but we can do that right now. It's what I do every day in the office. And what I did today, 52 year old man, bunch of his friends, three of them have dropped dead of heart attacks in the last two months. They're all under 55 years old. He said, I don't have nothing wrong with me. Just check me, do the labs, get me the CAT scan. Well, you know, the hopeful part is the American Heart Association about four weeks ago had their annual meeting and gave another strong endorsement to using this CAT scan, coronary artery calcium scan, as a way, in their view, to determine do you need statin prescription drugs like Lipitor or do you not? I wish they would step it up even a little higher and say, why don't you get that at age 45 to determine if you have silent heart disease or not? Um, a little different and bigger question, because not everybody is faced with the challenge of deciding if they need a statin medicine or not. But we're getting there. I mean, I scan, I have a Google alert 
about people who drop dead around the United States or calcium scans. More and more and more, there are reports in the lay literature about people whose lives were saved because they decided to spend $100 and get early detection and how it led them to find out they had very advanced disease. Now, others find out they have wonderful arteries, uh, but coronary artery calcium scan is the answer. It's available. It's not dangerous. It's not painful. It's not claustrophobic. And you're going to have to reach into your pocket and pay $100 to protect your life for the next decade or more. Right. And, and I totally agree with you. But one of the things I find in the younger patients, I like to do their uh, what we call the lipoprotein panel and a coronary calcium score because it gives them, because if your coronary calcium score is negative, then people say, you know, I don't have heart disease. But I, I believe the lipoprotein, the, the number of LDL particles, which we call as the bad cholesterol or lousy cholesterol, actually gives you ahead of time, you know, hey, you got to change where you're going, the trajectory of your health. This is a good marker. And we don't even do that. Majority of the patients who come to me tell me, you know, I have a good cholesterol. I don't think cholesterol is a problem till I do their lipoprotein panel. But those folks who do not know the difference between what we are talking about, you do need to do the cholesterol and lipoprotein. Can you explain to them in simple terms what, what is it that we are talking about and what is it they, they need to be looking for? Yeah, thank you. So it turns out, you know, the formula for who develops heart disease or not, I'll say this, <clears throat> as often as you've unfortunately heard of somebody who saw their doctor and subsequently had a heart attack or dropped dead, how can that happen? They just saw their doctor and it happened. Is also the person that gets told, boy, you had a heart attack, but your cholesterol was 150. We can't find anything wrong with you. Well, that's simply uh, not doing and not going deep enough. So it's unbelievably rare in my heart you know, detection and reversal clinic uh, here in suburban Detroit that if I take people apart, I can't identify the problem and put them back together. Uh, and say, you know, it's actually genetic. It's actually a metabolic problem we didn't identify. And you're right. There is a form of cholesterol called lipoprotein little a. It's a whole mouthful, lipo, L-I-P-O, protein, little a, lowercase a. But for $22, your family doc, your gynecologist, your internist can check off that and right next to the cholesterol panel. And you find out if you're one of the 20% of Americans walking around with an elevated form of cholesterol that doesn't show up in the routine panel. This yeah. was made rather popular about two years ago when fitness trainer Bob Harper from The Biggest Loser Show had a massive, almost lethal heart attack. And when he did recover, he announced on the Dr. Oz show that he had learned he had this genetic inherited form of cholesterol. And there is a way to treat it and there is a way to react to it so that your overall lifestyle improves. Uh, that's one example. And, um, it's just a matter. I mean, you've written, uh, Dr. Chalam, I write, uh, just Google my name about advanced heart tests. Many, many free articles out there. I will be a bit commercial because uh, I don't mind it. Uh, I wrote a book about four years ago called Dead Execs Don't Get Bonuses. I self-published it. It's very inexpensive. It's a simple read. And it laid out, how do you get the right test? What do you ask for? What should your doctor order if you're very serious about early detection of heart disease? Whether it's the coronary artery calcium scan yeah. and there's the CPAP scanner, 
Um, you know, it recently got republished, updated with a pretty cover. So, I mean, that's a resource that people that say, if it's the number one killer, and I've never been tested, uh, and I've, you know, and my doctor's just going to send me for a colonoscopy and a mammogram or a thermogram of the breast, why don't I get the same kind of better than average care of my heart? And that's what I certainly would recommend. Now, when you said um, about the coronary calcium score, you did mention, hey, if they have calcification, they probably, we need to step it up and get them on a statin. Now, what I think about statins is statins are to cardiovascular disease, what vaccines are to infectious disease and immunology. There is so much of polarity about statins. So uh, can you um, uh, go over why why is there, you know, even among functional medical doctors, you would have physicians who would absolutely not give a statin, even if it is indicated. And then there are cardiovascular, uh, I mean, uh, cardiologists who would say it should be not drinking water. So where do you stand on the statins and how do people say, you know, when they tell you, you know, I'm afraid of what the statins will do to me and my brain, where do you stand on that? Yeah. So just to clarify, my comment about statins was actually the American Heart Association. The American Heart Association in their oh, yes. new guidelines of about four weeks ago have a chart. I think it's table number 10. If your doctor says to you, you're not a person who's had bypass, you're not a person who's had a statin. You're a 44-year-old woman at your gynecologist and your cholesterol is 230 and your gynecologist has a prescription pad to take 20 milligrams or 40 milligrams of a that American Heart Association said, whoa, and this is a big breakthrough. You might want to actually learn if you have any reason to take a prescription drug. You certainly have a reason to exercise, change your diet, lose some weight, manage your stress, get some sleep. So they suggested a coronary artery calcium CT scan could be that pathway if you don't have disease, uh, why are you taking chemotherapy if you don't have cancer? Why are you taking statin chemotherapy if you don't have atherosclerosis? So I actually endorse that as a great strategy. Now, if you do have an abnormal finding in my world, like yours, I don't necessarily use a statin. They are overall, when you look at the entire world's literature, uh, generally safe drugs that certainly lower cholesterol and in settings after heart attack, after bypass, after stent, almost certainly improve outcome. It's the general public that's the controversy, and they're, I think they're way overused in the general public. It's just a very easy, quick way to deal with the problem. Your, your cholesterol's up. I have five minutes left in the appointment. These drugs work, and, um, and, and it's done. So, yeah, in my practice, I'm going to work very hard on lifestyle changes, diet changes, fitness changes, hormonal balancing, stress approach, um, heavy metals. We actually learned in the last six weeks, a lot of us carry lead, mercury, arsenic, cadmium, metals in our blood, in our bone, in our body, in our fat stores. They raise your cholesterol. This was a major scientific study, not some woo-woo science. Yes. Uh, it's interesting how so much of this is getting more into the mainstream. The implication is if you can avoid or eliminate those, go start sweating, go eat some cilantro, go take some chlorella green algae and get the metals out, your cholesterol may well come down, which is very likely. So 
if you're not in a rush, there's no reason to take a prescription drug right from the get-go when there's, you know, many other potential ways to do it. So would you say seeing calcifications on the coronary calcium score would consider, it, it is considered as a secondary prevention at that point, or is it still primary prevention because we, the person has not had an event as yet? Yeah, nobody said that, but I consider, I mean, there, a paper was published by Dr. Ronald Krauss in 2010. The first author is Patty Siri Reno. There was a meta-analysis. We're going to take studies out there. We're going to mix them together and see if we can confirm that saturated fat is bad for heart disease. And they published that they couldn't confirm in the studies they chose to analyze that it was bad for heart disease. They absolutely never said you should therefore start adding saturated fat to your diet or recommending a high saturated fat diet. Absolutely not. Whether they knew what they were doing or not, it opened Pandora's box because all of a sudden, you know, the media does what the media does. It's not sexy to say we can't confirm. It's sexy to say butter is good for you and doctors got it all wrong. And Dr. Ansel Keys was the Satan of the world. And that's what the media said. And that's what Gary Taub said. And that's what Nina Teichels, an author of a horrible book, said, and others like that. A similar paper came out in 2014 by an author named Chowdhury, Nanos of Internal Medicine. Both papers were so bad. The first paper was so statistically flagrantly bad that in the same edition of the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, they let somebody else write a critique about how bad the first paper was. Well, why'd they publish the first paper? <laughs> Jeremiah, I'm being honest, Jeremiah Stamler destroyed the first paper in the same edition, but that didn't make the headline. It would have been a good headline. World-famous epidemiologist criticizes bogus paper and science is fraudulent. Now, it was butter's good for you because people like to be told their bad habits are good for them. It sells newspapers. It sells magazines. And the 2014 paper was so heavily criticized by the Harvard School of Public Health, they demanded it be retracted, but they ultimately changed it and republished it. It wasn't retracted. That is where we have this, and that's when the butter is back, showed up on Time magazine. Um, to, to show any prospective study that fat is going to stop and reverse your heart disease when it's from an animal origin, largely saturated fat, is non-existent. But you're right. What's going to be on the coffee table in the family doctor, the gynecologist, and the internist's office? You know, a magazine, whether it be Consumer Report or Time Magazine or the local paper. So um, they have absolutely played the game that the tobacco industry played. Tobacco industry quoted, uh, it's well known, our product isn't tobacco, our product is confusion. People are confused, they're going to do what they like to do, and they're going to smoke, and they're going to eat cheeseburgers with french fries and milkshakes because they taste damn good because of government subsidies that let you do all that for $8.99. So, um, yeah, I, so the, the devil advocate is if you care about your health, find respectable health experts. Dr. David Katz at Yale, I think, would be one. Uh, for sure, Dr. Garth Davis, now in Asheville, North Carolina, would be one. Uh, the Plantrition Project would be one. I mean, there are some that are plant-based organizations. There are some that are not, like True Health Initiative. So, 
you got to be very careful. But for the general public, that's basically impossible. How do they know which is, you know, two people have the name MD at the end, and Dr. David Perlmutter introduces every Facebook post he has. Everybody recognizes a low-carb diet as the ideal diet for human health. Everybody inside his head only, but he's got so many social media followers that it influences, and it's unfortunate. Our obligation is to speak honestly and get 10 times as many social media followers so we can point it out. So I'm not very popular on social media, although I have big numbers because I speak and criticize and try and be honest. But people will die because of this misadvice, so I don't stop speaking out. So I have a question. So let's say um, we can establish from this conversation, hey, there is no substance to eating cholesterol. And because this is a 50-year-old, you know, it has been discovered all of your atherosclerotic plaques have nothing but cholesterol and LDL. But not everybody's LDL is probably, there was some study that showed not all LDL is bad, but again, you have to really get a good panel. But here's the question. What about insulin resistance as being one of the uh, common reasons why people have hyperlipidemia? If they don't have the APOE or the LP little a, I find insulin resistance. And these are people who can be vegetarians. And vegetarian means they still drink milk products. And sometimes they do have eggs. But for those who are on a high grain-based diet, a classic example will be a country like India where diabetes is probably it's leading after China. So somebody like that, when, you know, when they are struggling, how much would you say the fat versus grains are responsible? Because insulin resistance is a real thing. And I think more than half the population is pretty much pre-diabetic if, and a good portion of them are diabetics and just, they just don't know that. Yeah. No, I mean, there's no so insulin resistance. You have a sophisticated crowd is already you know, a sophisticated term for most people. I mean, insulin resistance is largely in people that are overweight, not only, yes. but largely. It's obviously associated with the whole metabolic syndrome, low triglycerides, uh, low HL, high triglycerides, waistline, blood pressure. I mean, it's it's another way to describe what's happened to the American public increasing weight, decreasing activity, increasing prediabetes, diabetes, increasing, you know, hypertension. Um, frankly, you know, most of us aren't doing exactly advanced testing to define who's insulin resistance. There's clues to it on the advanced lipid panel and uh, other blood work, you know, that we can do, but um, it's still uh, a scientific concept that's very valid, but more difficult to define in practice. Um, you know, it can change the nature of your cholesterol panel if you're doing these advanced panels and you may end up, if you're following this, with more small, dense LDL, lower HDL, higher triglycerides. Uh, the latest data is that LDL particle size, this has kind of been a very um, esoteric but important rallying point for the low-carb community is that um, you know, small, dense LDL is the sine qua non of danger, where more recently, including Ronald Krauss, MD, who wrote that paper eight years ago, is basically bailed out and said all LDL particle size can damage your arteries. You know, large ones, medium ones, small ones, they all are atherogenic. 
you should care about all your LDLs. Um, and, um, you know, we know over and over, it, it, at the time the studies were done that largely put on the map that animal-based saturated fat in our diet, from cheese, from marble red meats, processed red meats, from butter, butter. from lard, meat, were probably the single biggest contributor to the explosion of heart attacks after World War II. America was a thin country, and insulin resistance and our sugar intake was far less. Uh, and insulin resistance, it's reasonable to suspect, was not as big an issue. They got it exactly right. And the message to the American public to cut back on those foods, in my opinion, was exactly right. However, the food industry doesn't get all of the blame. They get a lot of the blame for introducing so many. I mean, they're there to sell goods. They're not a health industry. The food industry is not a health industry. But they made so many hyper-processed, hyper-palatable foods, a lot of it because of government subsidies. That people, you know, and we have 24-hour availability of food and we have inexpensive food everywhere. That people eat way too many calories and way too many processed foods and they're too high in everything. They're too high in animal saturated fats or too high in processed uh, carbohydrates like flours and sugars and such, not whole grains. Uh, and they're generally too high in animal protein too because animal protein excess is a issue for health and cancer activation and diabetes. So it's no single factor, but the approach is the same. When you put people, and this was published elegantly this year by Dr. Neil Barnard of the Physician Committee for Responsible Medicine in peer-reviewed journals, a whole food plant-based diet, which is my favorite for heart patients, because it's the only diet that's been shown to stop and reverse this number one killer in the United States, atherosclerosis. Also reverses insulin resistance and improves beta cell function of the pancreas. So that's why I stick to my recommendation that amongst all these competing food wars, if you want to reverse your heart disease, eat a whole food plant-based diet. That looks like oatmeal, giant salads, bean soups, bean chilies, bean tacos, tempeh, all kinds of delicious, amazing things. If you want to improve your insulin sensitivity, eat the same exact diet. If you want to lower your risk of prostate cancer, eat exactly the same diet. There's good data from the Chicago Health and Aging Study. If you want to prevent Alzheimer's, eat the exact same diet. And where's the data that the keto diet, maybe 40%, 20%, I don't know. I see more people are just eating badly than keto badly, but there is keto badly. Um, where's the data that that prevents prostate cancer, prevents coronary disease, uh, reduces insulin sensitivity? There's no doubt your blood sugar drops when you stop eating carbs because carbs drive your blood sugar up. doesn't mean you've changed anything about insulin sensitivity. I'd love to do two-hour glucose tolerance tests. A lot of people that have improved blood parameters from a ketogenic diet for prediabetes, I suspect their glucose tolerance tests will continue to show wild abnormalities. They're still insulin resistant. They're just avoiding what used to trigger their hypertension. I know you've met Marina before. It was some couple of years ago when we came to one of the um, yeah. evolution of medicine. She's our nutrition coach, and she has a question regarding the two diets, which we, you know, have been touted for cardiovascular disease. So the plant-based and the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. So if she were to advise patients, and you know, the Mediterranean diet is a huge thing, a, a lot of the functional medical doctors and cardiologists do recommend Mediterranean diet as, um, and the plant-based diet. Between the two, 
do you think you're equally, has anybody studied the two, um, you know, parallel saying which would be a better um, option for people with cardiovascular disease, whether they have a genetic trait or a metabolic syndrome? Um, are there any studies out there? Well, they're both dramatically better than the average American diet, which maybe your patients aren't eating regularly. My patients aren't eating regularly because we both have specialty practices and may see a bit more of a health-oriented consumer that shows up. But they're both better. There's no doubt if you had to find a common ground where you didn't give people huge restrictions. Yes, you can still eat some red meat, but you've got a limit in the Mediterranean diet. Yes, you can still eat some animal products, but it should be, you know, fish primarily. Um, yes, you can have some dairy in your diet, just not much. Uh, you can enjoy some wine. I mean, the Mediterranean diet has you know, a decent amount of uh, both historical background and um, all. Now, there are people that are abusing the Mediterranean diet. There's a famous cardiologist in London, Dr. Asim Mohatra, yes. who says the Mediterranean diet is chock full of coconut oil and <laughs> never eat a piece of bread on the Mediterranean <laughs> diet. Well, that's that's completely uh, fantasy, and I send my sympathies to him because his mother died last week. But nonetheless, he makes crap up, uh, and it's crap. But if you follow like old uh, oldwayspt.org, which is a site of Mediterranean diet and recipes, except they took money from the cheese industry and they added much more cheese than you should have, it's a pretty good diet to follow. But if your goal is to actually reverse heart disease, you're better, in my opinion, to be you know uh, jumping further into whole food, plant-based. I think really right now the best general diet is the one that has been described by Dr. Walter Longo in a book called The Longevity Diet, a professor of nutrition at the University of Southern California. It is not the Mediterranean diet. He's from Italy. It is his take on even further ways to promote healthy aging and prevent diseases based on science that he's contributed more than most anybody in the world. So I uh, have dozens of copies of the book, The Longevity Diet, in my office. It's not a vegan diet plan, but man, you're going to be eating a lot of fruit and veggies. Got it. So um, to, it's to somebody who wants to start, I think, um, you know, the advice I usually tell them is to first get tested. And then if they want to start on a plant-based diet, is there an easy way to get started? Do you give them a specific advice? Hey, this is what you got to be doing as the first step. So you just tell them, go eat a whole food plant-based diet or just go to Green Space Cafe. Yeah. So it's funny you say that, you know, one, you want to use technology, uh, a website called happycow.net, happycow.net. Tell you any vegetarian, vegan market and restaurant anywhere in the world. It's very useful. It's not the only one, but it's one that has the most tradition. And I use it myself. I recommend it to patients. Number two, um, you do want to like take some time in the grocery store. There are so many whole food products. There also, unfortunately, are so many processed food products made from plants. But if you can find, you know, amazing kinds of rices and beans and frozen fruits and veggies to make your life easier. Maybe you want to get a little tool like a Vitamix or a blender or an instant pot to make batch cooking. You know, you got to have some skills. There are also, there are some online coaching programs. I just recently launched on a site called Suggestic 
a 21-day vegan reset to make it easier? What if you got push text messages and pushed emails voluntarily? You sign up for this, uh, you know, to help you through it. So, um, yes, and come to Green Space Cafe in Ferndale and Royal Oak would be a great I actually love when people come there because, you know, have you ever cooked jackfruit in your house? Well, let us cook jackfruit. It's a whole food. Do you ever use tempeh to make a stir fry or a burger? Well, we do it every day, and we do a good job. So I love introducing people to things. They can then go to any grocery store. These are not any longer exotic foods and continue on a whole food plant-based uh, program. So let me see. There are not too many questions here. Did you have any questions as we wrap this up? Yeah, so Dr. Khan, thank you for all of your input and kind of the historical background on yeah. where, how we got here, which is, I think, very illuminating to understand. Money, 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 money. It's money, unfortunately. It should be, there, you know, look, there's clearly, some, there's not going to be unity that everybody agrees on one breakfast and one lunch and one dinner. But there is such a split right now, and it's largely money. A little bit of it is machismo. You know, the paleo-keto world is heavily, heavily testosterone insane guys that judge their health solely on how much weight they lift and what their six-pack looks like. And if they have those things, and they're also monitoring true health, inflammatory panels, arterial yes. you know, sleep, are they helping people? Are they happy? Uh, are they spiritual? And I don't know that stuff about them, but I uh, engage, talk, interact with a lot of them. But it's really uh, an ugly, ugly world on the social media world that is surrounding the paleo and the ketogenic world. Um, you know, and, you know, you, what we've touched the iceberg on, and really the, the message is we probably need to close it down a little bit. Cardiology, heart disease, number one killer in men and women can be approached in a very quantitative way. You know, I live by a three words, test, not guess. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't look at you and tell you if you're young inside or old inside. I can on the second visit tell you if you're young or old inside. Based on blood work, usually insurance will cover. Based on a $100 heart test that you may pay it for out of pocket. But the, the leap we will have from when I meet you to when we sit down, quantitatively, like an engineer, like a you know, uh, aerospace uh, person is, you know, it's going to get better and better with artificial intelligence and all that, but it's, it's pretty good now. And what I see routinely is guessing, guessing, guessing. Your cholesterol is 210. You don't have anything to worry about, Mr. Jones. Mrs. And most of them are still alive in a year and some of the good ones drop dead. So we need to reform the program, but, you know, do it step by step. Get tested. Eat more fruits and vegetables. Cut back on processed food. The only thing you eat in the gas station is a banana. Nothing else. You're not allowed to eat anything in a gas station. Um, give up dairy today. Dairy is an evil. It's liquid meat. You don't need liquid meat. Uh, just for today, find your favorite. Pea protein milk or hemp milk or soy milk or... Um, if you don't it's like soy, something else. It's actually the cheese it's people miss. So they need to come to Green Space yeah. Cafe for the farmer's board. <laughs> I uh, don't disagree with you. Uh, uh, and we welcome everybody listening. Uh, meet me there at 6 o'clock. I'll be there at the uh, restaurant. Awesome. Right. Well, did you Thank you. Sorry about the technology problems. I, I actually know. think 
I think it was the beef and dairy industry trying to jam this reception. Maybe even it was, it. it was some of the hospitals that we're on staff at trying to jam and shut this. <laughs> <laughs> they want yeah. to continue to serve their puddings. Yeah. We yeah, will certainly edit it and try to change that. Right. All, All right. right. Thank you very much. All Thank right. you. you guys appreciate you time. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Holistic Icon Podcast. Subscribe for the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes or visit holisticicon.com to listen to past episodes. Want to take control of your health and live a life of wellness? Dr. Chellum's best-selling book, Transform Your Thyroid, teaches you how to overcome fatigue, depression, weight gain, and more, and is available on amazon.com. 